Good morning, my friends. I'm Pastor Stephen Brooks. Welcome today to Morning Glory, our midweek Bible study. And I'm so happy that you're here today. We're going to be starting in the book of Ecclesiastes, the book of the preacher written by Solomon. And we're going down to verse 18. Today, we're talking about the supernatural mind. Praise the Lord. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, as we jump into your word, we ask that your Holy Spirit would illuminate the scriptures so that we can see them, understand them, and take them today and apply them to our lives and begin to enjoy victory in every facet of our living. Now, Father, we thank you. We give you praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Praise God. Now, today we're in Ecclesiastes chapter 10, verse 18. Maybe you have actually seen verse 18 in real life experience before, where it says, because of laziness, the building decays, and through idleness of hands, the house leaks. Well, uh, regardless of where you go, even if it's in the city, you see this, but for some reason out in the country, uh, it seems like in particular areas of the country, uh, in more rural areas, you see real life examples of this. And I could take you and drive you down a few streets and uh, show you a few houses out in the country where the homes are literally falling in on themselves. And you'd think, wow, that's a, that's a pretty dangerous house. Uh, the shocking thing is that in many of these homes, uh, there's people living in them. And you think, well, why don't they fix up the home? Because of laziness, the building decays. And through idleness of hands, the house leaks. And, the, you know, there could be a major roof leak. But you know what? People sometimes don't want to be interrupted from their television shows or whatever else they might be doing. And so they just don't do anything about it. Now, while we see this taking place with a building, it's really in many ways universal in life. Anything unattended is going to be, begin to deteriorate. I know sometimes people think like with a car, for example, they want to maybe preserve it. Maybe they think it's going to be a collectible one day, so they try to drive it as little as possible. Well, that might be something that you would want to do to keep the mileage down on maybe a certain type of car. But honestly, uh, any mechanic will tell you uh, cars are manufactured to be driven, not to sit. And anytime you let a vehicle sit for a long time, it's not good for the engine. It can begin to uh, freeze or lock up. Then you've got all those fluids uh, in there, but they're not doing anything. That's not good. You know, I used to have a motorhome years back because my wife and I, we traveled full-time in the ministry in a motorhome, and uh, I one time went to go get the tires rotated on the motorhome, and uh, the tire person told me, he said, most people never, uh, uh, most people that own a motorhome, they never uh, ever have uh, the opportunity to change the tires because they actually used the tires up by driving the vehicle so much. Usually, uh, with most motorhomes that are called RVs, or that's short for recreational vehicle, the RV sits there uh, 50 weeks in a lot out of 52 of a year. So it's hardly ever used. So the truth is that is that most of the time, the tires rot before they ever wear out in the sense of having to be replaced because of high mileage. But my friends, anything that if you just leave it sitting around, it's going to begin to go downhill. So in a very similar way, God has created our minds to accomplish certain tasks. And these, these tasks must be carried out and it requires our full mental aptitude. But if we don't use our minds, just like the house mentioned here in verse 18, it's going to begin to uh, uh, just begin. It'll start to fall apart. It will not be as effective and it could start with a leak. And if you don't address that leak, it will turn uh, that wood into rot. My friends, we have got to learn to exercise our minds and squeeze out the potential of what God has placed within us. Today, we're talking about the supernatural mind, and I want to share today four, 
four major functions of your mind. Praise the Lord. And we want to cover these so that you are productive in these various areas of your life where you want to see good things happen. Praise the Lord. And so much of this is writing on the effectiveness of your mind. Now, the four major functions of your mind, and this, when it's exercised, brings you into the mind of Christ. It brings you into really supernatural levels of thinking. But let's begin with the first major function of your mind, which is learning. God gave you your mind so that you can learn. And yes, learning does take place in the mind, and the mind is able to acquire and store information. And there's not a limit on the brain's data bank. You may think, well, there's only so much room like a computer. You've only got so many uh, gigabytes or terabytes of, of space. But the brain, the mind is different. It actually is designed by God to have an unlimited capacity to learn. That's fascinating. And so when we look at the lives of different people, I was thinking about Albert Einstein. And this is what he said. He said, once you stop learning, you start dying. Wow. And I think there's a real truth to that in that we need to always be moving forward and exercising our minds. Henry Ford, the founder of the Ford Motor Company, said, anyone who stops learning is old, whether at 20 or 80. Anyone who keeps learning stays young, he said. The greatest thing in life, he said, is to keep your mind young. And how do you do that? You do that through learning. Praise the Lord. So age is not necessarily what determines old age. If the mind is put to proper use, then it actually affects your body. If your mind becomes just numb and it's not being used, something uh, pulls the body right along into that same type of orbit. But when your mind is kept sharp, uh, you don't let your body go either. It Somehow the body says, okay, I need to be sharp too. <laughs> Woo, praise the Lord, because your mind is alert to these different areas that need attention. Praise God. So we want to keep the mind sharp through a continual lifelong learning process so that we don't become outdated. Ooh, woo, praise the Lord. And we need to be conscious of what's current. Hallelujah. That way we're always up to speed on everything that we need to be up to speed on. So that requires that we stay open to learning. Praise the Lord. Now, I have been told that the largest room, not only in a house, but perhaps the largest room, not only in a building, but the largest room in the world is what? It's the room for improvement. Woo, praise God. Mm -mm. You know, every year, every major corporation sits down with their executive team and they look at the previous sales, how much money was generated. Of course, when you're looking at top corporations, you're looking at billions of dollars, but they never ever say, you know what? We've had a really good year and we can never replicate this. We should just be happy and we should rest on these past laurels because there's nothing else that we can do. But my friends, anybody that's uh, in the mix where you're staying current knows there's always something that you can do to improve. There's always something that you can do to make your career better, to make your marriage better, to make your life better. There is always room for further improvement and learning. And we see this also in the life of God's great servant, Daniel. Let's go over to the book of Daniel chapter 2. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. We're going over to Daniel. Ooh, actually chapter 9. Daniel chapter 9, verse 2. And here we see that it says concerning Daniel, in the first year of his reign, I, Daniel, understood how? Understood by the books, the number of the years specified by the word of the Lord through Jeremiah the prophet, that he would accomplish 70 years in the desolations of Jerusalem. So Daniel, of course, was very good with math and very good with astronomy and very good with languages. And, you know, he's operating and working in the king's court. And he has now learned by books 
something that is pertaining to the next event of what God is going to be doing with the nation of Israel. So although many would consider him to have been the wisest man of his time, yet he kept on learning and he's still reading books. I'll tell you what, there are Christians today who years back graduated from high school, perhaps graduated from college or some form of higher learning. And you know what? The day they walked off that campus, they have never read a book since then I'm outside of the Bible. But see, other books help illuminate the scriptures. And that's why uh, Christian literature is so important and books on teaching because there's so many different subjects in the Bible. Praise God. But my friends, we must continue on the learning process. Also in the New Testament, we see that Paul was one of the wisest men of his days. And Peter even acknowledged the unique wisdom that Paul was operating in. We see this in second Peter chapter three. Let's take a look at that just for a moment. Second Peter chapter three, praise the Lord. There we go. Thank you, Jesus. Second Peter 3, and that will be in verse 15. Verse 15. And consider that the long-suffering or the patience of our Lord is salvation, as also our beloved brother Paul, according to the wisdom given to him, has written to you, as also in all his epistles, speaking in them of these things in which are some things hard to understand, which untaught and unstable people twist to their own destruction, as they do also the rest of the scriptures. So Paul had tremendous wisdom in the plan of God, in uh, the ways of God, the workings of God, and uh, even Peter was aware of that. But you have to understand that with Daniel in the Old Testament and that great wisdom. And now here, Paul even be, being referred to by Peter as a man who had great wisdom. Yet, look a little bit further now into the life of Paul in 2 Timothy. 2 Timothy chapter 4, and of course, I really like this verse because I'm an author. 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 13, Paul is... Uh, giving his list of some things that he needs. And he says, bring the cloak that I left with Carpus at Troas when you come and the books, especially the parchments. Now, what are, we know what the books are. What are the parchments? Those are his notes. He's like, I, I want those notes. <laughs> bring those things to me. Mm -mm. Praise the Lord. So what will happen is that if you don't use your mind, it's kind of like um, uh, like an old engine that's just sitting around. It can begin to rust. It can begin to seize and lock up. But we see that God gave Paul tremendous wisdom, but he's not just resting on past laurels or a past deposit put into him. He's still learning. He's still reading. He still wants books. He still wants his notes. In other words, the learning process never ends. And we also saw that God gave Daniel extraordinary wisdom, but yet even with that wisdom, he's not stopping with that divine deposit. He's continuing and he's still reading books. In other words, he's still learning. Praise God. So my friends, we need to always be in that learning path. Praise the Lord. I count it a real privilege to have been invited by a dear friend of mine, uh, Dr. Thomas, who teaches at a prestigious private Catholic uh, University. He has a, a PhD from Cambridge in England. And he said, Pastor Stephen, would you come teach uh, my students in the, uh, the class uh, of our study of the Trinity? So all semester, that's all they're doing is studying the Trinity. Father, Son, Holy Spirit. And he said, I would like to bring you in because we have drifted somehow. I'm sure it was by the Holy Spirit. We have drifted over into the subject of the uh, charismatic revival and uh, how that has affected the Catholic Church because you have many charismatic Catholics. And so there's a lot of students there in the classroom that are very curious about this. And he said, well, I know just the person that we can bring in <laughs> to talk further about this subject. And that is because there is learning in that area. So if you have knowledge and you've learned that area, now you can dispense and share those things with others and 
that was quite an interesting uh, class we had. Uh, that Those students were asking questions like machine gun bullets because I, I talked for a while, talked for a while, and what does that do? That, that creates uh, a curiosity, and that creates more questions. So the questions were coming just as fast as I could answer them. There's another one. Boom, 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 boom. It was a fantastic time. Praise the Lord. And we need to always be learning. Uh, even after college, hallelujah, even after perhaps you get a PhD or whatever it might, might be, there's still more to learn. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. Now, let's look at the second area of why God gave us these brilliant minds and how we can develop them and use them. This second area is the actually uh, the area of knowledge. Praise God. So the second major function of our mind is the area of knowledge. Learning brings you to a place of knowledge, even can take you to a place of enhanced knowledge where you become an expert in your field. So knowledge is what you've acquired in the process of learning. And it makes you comfortable with your subject. It brings you a familiarity or an understanding in those needed areas. One time I had a, a, a Christian businessman. He, he had a really nice video camera. This is, this is maybe like, uh, almost 20 years ago. And he said, um, he said, Hey, pastor Stephen, I'm not really using this video camera. I kind of bought it for fun. He was a very wealthy guy. He said, I bought it, I bought it for fun. I'm not really using it. He said, but it seems that you would put it to use if I gave it to you. I said, yes, I'll put it to use. And so uh, he gave it to me. And it was it, at that time, it was like state of the art. And it was really nice. And when I, well, I held it, you know, it had a big, beautiful lens and all that. It was like, I, I was like holding it like it was a baby. And I, I figured out how to use it for streaming on the internet. And again, that was the early days of internet streaming. Uh, but a lot of the other areas of shooting with it for like what, uh, what the pros would call run and gun type video, I didn't have any knowledge of that. So I'm holding this camera like it's like, you know, made out of uh, uh, crystal or something like that. Well, I had that video camera and wanted to shoot some videos, but I, I, I didn't know how to operate it. So um, uh, a friend of mine, his son came out and was visiting, and he's a film guy from L.A., Los Angeles. And uh, he said, hey, Stephen, I heard you got a camera. You want to shoot some videos on the subject of healing? I said, yeah. So he said, I'll, I'll, he said, you just talk and I'll record you. So we set a little room up and he grabbed that camera and he grabbed that camera like it was a brick. Okay. I'd been holding it like it was a baby. He grabs it like it's a brick and starts flipping buttons and opening stuff up and doing all this to it and just work. Then I realized, oh, it's a tool. They built it strong on purpose. And that's the way these guys that use it all the time, use it while they have knowledge and they can take it and push to the limit what the designers manufactured it to do. And I thought, wow, well, that was a knowledge to see somebody who does it for a living. And, uh, you know, he wasn't holding it like, you know, it's about the brain. I mean, he was just walking around and just all kinds of stuff with it. It was fantastic. So, you know, you begin to learn those things through knowledge. Knowledge is acquired through the use of the mind and learning. But let's not miss the big part here. Knowledge is actually power. We see a great example for, uh, from this actually in the Bible, in the book of Hosea, chapter 4, verse 6, which I really want you to learn this verse. And let's take a look at it again. And today we're going to kind of reverse engineer this verse. Hosea, chapter 4, verse 6. The Lord said, My people are destroyed for lack of of knowledge. My people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. Okay, so that's true. If Now, since this is true, the opposite of this must also be true. In other words, lack of knowledge enslaves or causes destruction. Therefore, the reverse, the reverse means that the acquiring of knowledge has the power to actually set a person free. And that, my friends, is the truth. Praise the Lord. So knowledge is more than just like basic information, facts, figures, and so forth. Knowledge is power. Why? Because it has the ability to set people free. Mm -mm. Sometimes uh, it's just so clear that the reason some people are trapped in certain situations is they don't have the knowledge of how to get out. Praise God. So knowledge is one of the greatest areas of releasing 
potential because you can make any venture outstanding, but it depends on the depth of your knowledge. And I want to repeat that again because lately I have been meditating on that statement and it's just, uh, it's like I'm drawing nourishment from the vine, from the teachings of God's word. But I want to say it again. Knowledge is one of the greatest areas of releasing potential because you can make any venture outstanding, but it depends on the depth of your knowledge. And whatever that venture might be, maybe you want to build uh, a new home and, you know, you're working with your, your contractor and, you know, the question is going to come up, well, what kind of roof do you want on it? Do you want traditional asphalt shingles? And they cost less, but, you know, they last 15, maybe, maybe 20 years. But you know what? You get a metal roof and that roof is going to be bulletproof in the sense it's going to, it's going to run uh, problem free probably for at least 50 years. Sometimes uh, it's not unusual for a, a, a metal roof that's coated the right way to last 100 years. And so, but if you don't have knowledge of that, you can't go in that direction. So you can make any venture outstanding, but it's going to depend on what you know. And if you don't know that you have options, well, Pastor Stephen, uh, yes, for the house, I'm just going to put in a, a 40 gallon water heater. Well, what if you got a tankless water heater? Uh, because if you have a, a regular water heater, like we do here in the States, then if you go for vacation for three weeks, well, that, that water heater is just heating that water the whole time you're gone, even if you're not using it. But tankless is hot water on demand. Well, that costs a little bit more. Yes, but what you paid for it, now you've got that. But I'm just saying you can bring excellence into uh, uh, outstanding levels of achievement into your life, whatever it might be, but it depends on your knowledge. So you're going to get in there, swim around, learn, and gather the knowledge that is pertaining to that area that you need further insight on. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. Mm -mm. I had a realtor uh, one time tell me, he's a friend of mine and he, he sells multi-million dollar homes in California and uh, he's, a, he's a good Christian brother. And he said, he said, now look, Stephen, he said, if you ever buy a house, he said, you want to buy a house that sits up. It will always command more money when you go to sell it. But if you buy a house that sits down, it's, not, it's never going to have the same value because it won't have the same curve appeal because of the way a house that sits up, even if it's not as uh, good as the house sitting down, the fact that it sits up already is going to give it a huge plus. One time I saw a home for sale in a local magazine some years back, and I thought, well, let me go by and take a look at it. That, that could be a potential. And when I drove out to it, I noticed that the house was located on a, a long road that you have to drive down. And it looked like the further you're driving down, it looked like you're driving down into a swamp or something like that. I, I thought, well, I don't know. This is not looking good. Then I noticed a street name. You know what the name of the street was? The name of the street for this house that was for sale, the street was called Preacher's Bottom. <laughs> no, Pastor Stephen, you're joking. No, I'm serious. It was called Preacher's Bottom. Well, let me tell you, I'm not, I'm not a preacher that's going to go live down at the swamp, and I'm never going to live at a street called Preacher's Bottom. Praise God. Now, if it was called Preacher's Summit... <laughs> <laughs> or something that sounded a little more dignified that honored the ministry that Jesus established within the church, I might consider it. But no, I don't want to go down. Praise God. So keep that in mind. All of these areas of knowledge is what can make uh, uh, the ventures that God sends you on outstanding. Mm -hmm. And when the finished product is done, others look and say, I don't know why. I can't maybe pinpoint it, but there's excellence here. But that's because of the things that you knew to bake into it that affect the overall result. Praise God. So we're talking about the subject of knowledge. And knowledge, it helps develop your brain to, to see further and to think expansive thoughts that will encourage you to forge ahead. You know, it's, it's a big world. And perhaps you're in a certain area that you're functioning with your business and you might think, well, uh, I have the most successful business on the street. Well, maybe the street you're on is, uh, you know, like a little bitty town out in, out in the, you know, the backwoods or something like that. So you, you have to get knowledge. How are others doing it that are operating on a larger level? 
because competition is very, very good in business because it requires uh, others to lift their game. And praise the Lord, my wife and I, we have been very, I would say, effective in even helping uh, in love some of the local subcontractors when they come by to maybe do a certain job, uh, you know, whether it's electrician or plumber or something like that, you know, when they would first come to our house to do certain jobs because we bought an older home and we have been taking it through a, you know, a, a long remodel, so to speak. But, you know, some of the guys would come over to do a job and uh, then they would say, okay, we're done. I'd say, well, uh, what about the mess you made? Uh, are you going to clean that up? Oh, oh, yeah, sure, sure. Mr. Brooks will clean that up if you want us to. Uh, where's your broom at? Oh, you don't have a broom? Uh, no, we didn't bring a broom. Uh, where's your shop vac? Uh, well, we don't have one of those. Well, you really need one of those. And so, um, you know, Kelly and I, we hide our brooms. We hide our stuff on purpose. Why? We're trying to, trying to help them and teach them. <laughs> Why? Because you go to a big city. You go to New York or you're in, uh, uh, you know, Southern California or you're in these big areas. Uh, you've got competition. Guys show up. They're going to be neat and clean. They're going to leave it cleaner than what it was before they got there. But if you just do the job, like one of the plumbers, he just did all, he did all this work. And uh, yeah, he actually did good work. But all the junk that he was cutting off and, uh, you know, uh, the no-hub couplings and all these little pipe pieces that he snipped it off, he just la- left it on the floor. <laughs> <laughs> and I said, hey, uh, are you all done? He goes, yep, I'm all done, Mr. Brooks. Give us a call if you need us back again. I said, okay, thank you. Hey, uh, would you mind cleaning that up? Well, now if you want me to, I'd be happy to. Where's your broom at, Mr. Brooks? Uh, wh- where's yours? Uh, uh, I don't have one. Well, you guys should start carrying one of those on your on your van. And you, the next thing you know, they, they, they start getting their own brooms. Why? We're helping them. But see, there's some things you don't know if you don't have knowledge. So you need you need to get knowledge. What are others doing so I don't stay isolated in this little bitty spot operating like a mom-pop type thing? I'm Look, that's where you want to stay. Uh, that's, that's between you and the Lord. But I'm telling you, that's not where God ends your destiny at. God has a place for you in the spotlight, not hidden over in some little corner. God has a place for you where the light will shine and you will make a big impact. But you're going to have to gain knowledge in order to access those places. Praise God. Amen. Praise the Lord. Now, let's talk about the, uh, the third primary function of your brilliant mind. Hallelujah. And this one I love. This one is called reasoning. Perhaps... Perhaps a little bit of a lost art, maybe amongst many of us Pentecostals. Woo, praise the Lord. You know, sometimes when you're Pentecostal, you get a little over, Pastor Steve, I'm in the Spirit. I'm just in the Spirit all the time. Okay, that, that's nice. But we, we do also understand God gave us our minds. <laughs> so let's use them. And let's take a look now at Isaiah, Isaiah chapter 1. And we're going to verse 18. Let me grab a drink of hot tea. Again, Isaiah 1, verse 18. Come now. I mean, this is amazing. Think about what God is saying here. Come now and let us reason together, says the Lord. God's saying, look, you and me, come on. Let's get together and reason together. God expects us to engage our minds in reasoning. What does it mean to reason? What does it mean to reason with God? Well, to reason is to engage in rational, logical, and analytical thinking. It is processing issues in our minds in order that we may draw and come up with intelligent conclusions. Mm -hmm. Well, what does reasoning produce? quality decisions. Mm -mm. Praise God. Hallelujah. Now look at verse 19. If you are willing and obedient, you shall eat the good of the land. But if you refuse and rebel, you shall be devoured by the sword for the mouth of the Lord has spoken. Well, we see here, particularly in verse 19, if you're willing and obedient, you shall eat the good of the land. We see that reasoning 
is required if we are to gain access into our inheritance in Christ and eat the good of the land. We have to be able to reason with the Lord. Praise God. Now, for some fascinating reason, hallelujah, as we're talking about reasoning, Isaiah has two of the most brilliant verses that cover this subject. Let's take a look at the other one. And this one is in Isaiah 41. Isaiah chapter 41, and now we're going to verse 21. And again, the Lord's speaking, and he says, Present your case, says the Lord. Bring forth your strong reasons, says the king of Jacob. What's, what's going on? What's God trying to get across here? Well, first of all, Israel is, is in trouble. There's a lot of apostasy. In other words, there's a lot of God's covenant people that are breaking covenant, going off, getting, getting tangled up in a mess, doing things that are displeasing to the Lord. And now, now you have uh, the enemies uh, bringing the heat and bringing uh, difficulties into your life. In other words, the curse is now working in their lives. And God's saying, look, let's reason this out, you and I. You don't have to stay trapped in this mess. In other words, God's saying, uh, there's a way out. But what you have to do is you're going to have to sit up and uh, sit up and begin to reason with me. Let's talk this out together. You don't want to stay in this. This is not good for you. This is not my plan for you. Can't you understand that? Can't you see that? And you say, yes, Lord, I can see that. And the Lord's like, okay, now this is what you need to do to get out of it. <laughs> What's going on? Reasoning, logically thinking, analytically looking at this. How can we end this? This is not fun. I don't want to be in this any longer. Okay. How do you get out of that? By realizing that, and you know, you're, you're analytically looking at this. And so you're, you're reasoning with God. And it's one of the most incredible invitations to sit down and give God your best reasonings. And he'll reason with you. Praise God. And he'll walk you right out of anything that the enemy say, would say, you know, you, you can't get out of this. God says, I can get you out of anything. Mm -hmm. But you're going to have to allow him to work with you through the reasoning process. We see it, of course, also in the New Testament uh, through the teachings of the Lord. Let's go over to the Gospel of Luke, Luke chapter 15. Luke 15, and we're going now to verse 17. And this, this is interesting because... What I'm getting from these scriptures in Isaiah and what we're going to see the Lord refer to here is that God actually expects for you and I to think deeply, to be deep thinkers. Oh, you know, Pastor Stephen, I kind of fly by the seat of my pants. That's not really who I am. Well, that's why you're flying into buildings. That's why you're crashing into things because that's not how God wants you to operate. Again, we're in Luke 15. Look at verse 17. But when he came to himself, this is the prodigal son who's run out of money, who's now in a, a, a slavery type position, and the pigs are eating better than he is. But when he came to himself, when he came to himself, he said, how many of my father's hired servants have bread enough to eat, uh, bread enough to spare, and I perish with hunger? I will arise and go to my father and will say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you, and I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. Can you see how he's thinking this through? In other words, he is reasoning this whole thing out. He's saying, okay, where am I? I'm out here feeding pigs. Uh, then he's thinking, okay, now how did I get here? Well, I ran off and really disrespected my dad and uh, disrespected God and his laws. And okay, so now he's thinking now, uh, so how, how do I get out of here and do I want to get out of here? And he reasons, yes, I, I, this is not fun. <laughs> the servants, uh, they have extra and they're all well fed and here I am starving. So no, I don't want to stay in this place. This is not God's plan for my life. Okay, then you begin the reason. Okay, so uh, what do I need to do? And, and see, so you just walk this whole thing out. Notice, notice carefully in Scripture. You don't find anywhere where he had a three-hour prayer session and fasted for 40 days. It doesn't say he did any prayer fasting, although Jesus taught on prayer and fasting, and it works in its proper application. But this is, 
This is not something that you need to pray and fast about. This is something that you need to think over and reason out. And that's what he did. And when he did it and walked it out, what he had decided he was going to do, it terminated his sufferings. I'm here today to tell you, you could do the same thing. You could do it in your next session with God of sitting down with him and say, Lord, I'm here to reason with you. I want to reason this thing out. Wow. It's amazing what God will say. He'll help you. He sure will. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. This uh, prodigal son, he reasoned his way back to a place of safety and stability where God wanted him to be. So no matter how hard you pray, um, and prayer is good, but no matter how hard you pray, God is not going to do the thanking for you that you're supposed to do for yourself. So you have to be able to thank and reason. It's your responsibility to do that. It's not God's. Praise the Lord. Let's look at one more example. This is in Luke chapter 14. We're talking about the four major functions of your mind. We have covered learning, knowledge. We're on the subject of reasoning right now. Luke 14 and verse 28. For which of you intending to build a tower? Maybe maybe somebody watching you want to build your own prayer tower. Who knows, okay? Which of you intending to build a tower does not sit down first? And not, not sit down and play checkers or twiddle the thumbs, but sit down first and count the cost. Whether he has enough to finish it, lest after he has laid the foundation and is not able to finish all who see it, begin to mock him, saying, this man began to build and was not able to finish. I'm here to tell you today, you're going to finish because you know how to engage your mind. Praise the Lord. Sit down before you build anything of significance and think it through. You don't want to end up with another example of the leaning tower of Pisa. Well, I'm just trying to copy what they did over there in Italy. I know they got it wrong. Uh, And actually they built the tower right and they even laid the foundation right but they didn't know that the soil was that the soil has shifted and it was not able to sustain a structure like that. So you have to sit down and think all of those things through. What are the dimensions of the tower that you want to build? How wide? How tall? How tall you want to make it determines also how deep you have to uh, set up the foundation. And then what do you want to build your tower out of? What type of material? Pastor Steve and I want stone. Oh, that's nice. That's going to look real pretty. What about steel? Uh, you could uh, make it out of steel, and then you could put a different type of exterior around it. All of these things that you have to sit down and think it through. Maybe uh, you want some windows in your tower. That would be nice, especially at the top, so you can have a view. By the way, how, how are you going to get to the top? I'll just jump. Uh, Pastor Stephen, no, let's not do that. Let's do it the right way. Maybe, maybe you want an elevator, but you know, a three-story elevator usually runs about $250,000. What if you did a spiral staircase? Wouldn't that be nice? And you can get a little exercise too on the way to the top. And the bottom line is how much is all of this going to cost? What is the all-in cost? And you need to know that before you ever break ground you know, these big uh, gold mining companies, before they ever uh, go in on a claim and begin to go after the gold, they first do an entire assessment. In other words, how much is gold selling for right now? Uh, okay, that's good. So let's say the gold is selling eight, $1,800 an ounce. All right. How much gold, based upon our analysis and testing, is actually in the ground in this you know claim that we're going to work? And so, uh, you know, a scientist could say, well, it appears that from our test that we have about, you know, $7 billion worth of gold in the ground. Okay, so now we need to know also how much money is it going to take to get it all out of the ground? There's heavy equipment involved, and there's the whole process. And then, 
after you do get all of the gold out of the ground, you can't just walk off and leave a big pit or you, know, you can't let the country countryside now look all terrible and messed up. Now there's laws that require you to put it all back real nice and pretty. And some of the gold mining companies will make a big lake or a pond or something out of that, out of the big hole they dug and, you know, replant trees. And uh, when they're done, you can't even tell they were ever there. So you have to know all of that before you ever dig the first scoop out of the ground. In other words, we're in now starting to work. No, you have to get all this other uh, stuff figured out first. And Jesus said, for which of you intending to build a tower does not sit down first? Reasoning, reasoning. Oh, it's a beautiful word. Reason all of these things out up front. Praise God. Hallelujah. Yes, uh, yes, that's your mind. Pastor Stephen, I, I don't want to use it that much. I want somebody else to uh, do all of this. <laughs> no, use it. Don't let it be like a car parked in, in a garage for three years and never moved once. Use your mind. Hallelujah. Praise God. All right. Reasoning ensures smooth delivery of the entire project. Praise God. All right, let's move on to the fourth major function of your mind, which is the fun subject area of imagination. Mm -mm. And imagination is a vital function of your mind. And you, you imagine things every day. And that is the way God has designed your mind to operate. Your imagination sets the pace for your destination. Mm -mm. Imagination is the formation of a mental image. That's really what imagination is. It is a formation in your mind, of course, of a mental image. That image, of course, is not yet real. It's not something that's present that you could go outside, touch, or see, but rather it's an image in your mind, and that image in your mind is the direction that you are going in. This is why imagination is so important because it sets the pace for your destination. Imagination is the mental picture that determines your future. Now, let's go back to the book of Genesis chapter 11. Genesis 11, and let's go to verse 6. And the Lord said, Indeed, the people are one, and they all have one language. And this is what they begin to do. Now, nothing that they propose to do will be withheld from them. Nothing that they imagine to do, what they're proposing in their minds, this idea they have, the King James Version and some other versions say, imagine what they imagine to do will be withheld from them. It's, it's, they're, whatever they're imagine, imagining, they're going to actually be able to carry it out and fulfill it. So, we see here very clearly that imagination, even in an unbeliever, is a force for accomplishment. And it certainly can be so in your life as well. That's why you need to engage it in your mind. Now, imagination, of course, can work uh, either for you or against you based upon how you use it and what it is that you're actually imagining. So in Proverbs chapter 23... Let's take a look at this just for a moment. Proverbs 23, verse 7, we have the classic statement, for as a man thinks in his heart, so is he, as he thinks in his heart. Well, the heart is a reference to the spirit of man, where these things are formed at, these inner, <clears throat> excuse me, these inner thoughts and ideas. So from the heart, these inner thoughts and ideas are turned into pictures in the mind of a person. And it's these pictures, they are what are going to create your future. That's what is going to create your future, is these images. That's why we want to have the right image within our mind. Praise the Lord. So we see, we see it first here in the mind, and then later what will happen is that outward or in the physical realm, it will come to pass. Praise the Lord. So every positive imagination establishes a positive destination and every negative imagination is going to do what? It's going to establish a negative, uh, it's going to establish a, a negative destination. That's why we need to be in control of this. You know, 
the areas of a negative mindset or always imagining things or seeing things from a negative perspective uh, is very, very detrimental, and it could put a ceiling over your life. There are a lot of Christians that st- that struggle with the low self-esteem, and they don't really believe in the gifts and the purpose that God has given them. Therefore, they devalue the worth that God places upon their life, and they have low self-esteem. And here's something that you have to understand, that if you don't believe in yourself in the sense of who God has called you and anointed to be, then others are not going to believe it either. And if you don't respect yourself and who God has called you to be, then others won't respect either. And we see this laid out very clearly in the book of Numbers chapter 13. And this this begins to work with a uh, a principle here of how life can operate. Numbers 13 And let's go all the way to the last verse in the chapter, which is verse 33. And the negative spies, the 10 spies who had the wrong imagination, they said, there we saw the giants, the descendants of Anak came from the giants, and we were like grasshoppers in our own sight. And so we were in their sight. In other words, the way that you view yourself and they're viewing themselves as grasshoppers in our own sight. Not, not even theirs, but in our own sight, we're just grasshoppers. Oh, also in their sight, we're absolutely grasshoppers. So watch out for a, a mindset or these imaginative thoughts where you're viewing yourself with low self-esteem uh, of a, a person that's uh, irrelevant or, or this or that or the other. Now, the enemy is going to try to throw that on you. Okay, but you have to get the right imagination. You have to get the right mental picture of being more than a conqueror and not as a a believer who is a, a liability, but rather a tremendous asset in the kingdom, a tremendous contributor. Praise God. Thank you, Lord Jesus. So again, they said, we were like grasshoppers in our own sight. Don't ever belittle or demean yourself. You are created in the image of God. You're born again, the Holy Spirit living on the inside of you with tremendous potential in you. And we're releasing this potential by exercising our minds through the sanctified usage of imagination. And we were like grasshoppers in our own sight. And so we were in their sight. The way that you view yourself is the way others will view you as well. Praise the Lord. Now, we need to embrace in this area of imagination, we need to embrace what is of God and clearly reject the imaginations that would drift in, in other words, as suggestive thought by the devil. We're going to reject all of that. We're going to pull down those strongholds. And when Paul, the apostle, was referring to pulling down strongholds, he's not talking about pulling uh, demons out of the second heaven. He's talking about casting down these strongholds of wrong thought patterns, wrong imaginative thoughts. Praise God. Some people, it's almost like they can see themselves getting in a car wreck. (laughs) It's almost like they imagine it coming to pass or see some kind of awful disease coming upon them. But see, you need to see Jesus. Could you ever see Jesus whipped uh, in the sense of being defeated? Yes, he was whipped with a whip, but that's, I'm talking about whipped in the sense of, uh, you know, uh, just out of it, so to speak. No, I can never see Jesus. Uh, you know, I, I can't see Peter walking in on uh, un- walking in unexpectedly on Jesus and seeing Jesus in a deep depression. And Jesus turns around and says to Peter, Peter, you know what? I tell you, I'm having a hard day. I don't even really know if God's called me to do this or not. And, and Peter, I'm going to ask a special favor of you. I'm going to ask you to run on down to the corner store. And don't tell the others, don't tell the other 11 what I'm asking you to do, but I really need a bottle of whiskey. And bring it on back, and while you do, buy me the biggest bottle of Advil or aspirin that you can get for me, because I've got a splitting headache. Look, I could never, ever imagine Jesus being like that in an area where he's lost it or where he's just, oh, 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 you know. No. And so if you can't imagine him doing that, then you should never uh, imagine yourself being subjected to like torments or these uh, other types of things. No, hallelujah. See yourself in Christ with dignity and honor and living a long life and blessed while you're here 
on the earth. Praise God. I really believe that one of the, one of the greatest imaginations, thought processes that you can stamp upon your mind is a mental picture of seeing yourself succeeding in every area of your life, in your walk with God, in your marriage, and in your family, and in your business, in your career, and in your influence upon society and those that, you, that God has placed you to be around, to see yourself as a success. And when you see it, what will happen? It will become what you see. The Lord told Abraham, lift up your eyes and see what I have given to you, the promised land. So that, that requires the exercise of imagination, which is something that we do with our mind. Praise God. So the four major functions of your mind are learning, knowledge, reasoning, and we could call it sanctified imagination. Woo! Praise God. Hallelujah. See yourself going to the top. Hallelujah. I believe answers and solutions are coming to you because you are a thinker. Hallelujah. I want you to see yourself even as a deep thinker. You're thinking things through, and thus you're producing great peace in your life, and you're also establishing a very secure future for your life. Lift up your hands. Father, let your people be anointed upon their minds with the anointing of brilliance. Let them realize they really do have the mind of Christ. Now let them exercise that and they will see that, that it is a reality. Let them be on the God level frequency of thinking. Thank you, Father God. Release that to your people, that special anointing. We give you praise. I'm smelling uh, in the spirit right now. I'm smelling frankincense. Hallelujah. I'm also smelling uh, myrrh. So myrrh is cleansing. So the Lord is cleansing and frankincense is a representation of faith. So uh, say goodbye to grasshopper thinking. Praise God. You're going to the top. Hallelujah. God's not going to uh, leave you all, uh, over in the corner in a doghouse. No, God's taking you to the top. Woo. Praise God. You're an ambassador for Christ Jesus, a messenger of his eternal kingdom and the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. Oh, hallelujah. Let the Holy Spirit work with your mind. Father, bless your people with a sharp, illuminated mind in Jesus' name. Amen. May it be said of you amongst your contemporaries, amongst those in your career field, may it be said of you, you're the sharpest mind in the room. You're the sharpest mind in the room. May you be the Joseph in the room. May you be the Daniel in the room. Mm -mm. Be the Apostle Paul in the room. Hallelujah. Praise God. Now, if you're watching today's program and you, you've never made Christ your Lord and Savior, the ultimate expression of mental uh, potential release can only found it can only be found by coming to the man that made your brain, that made your mind. He, God created man as a tripartite being, spirit, and a soul. Your soul is your mind, will, and your emotions, and your body. Okay, so the body is only the outward expression of you. You live within your body. So this is like the outside of the house, okay? And so you're, you're on the inside looking out. But God, so often he works with your mind to accomplish the purpose, the vision that he has given to you. And you're going to need, you're going to need it to be optimum operational level. Praise God. So if you don't know Jesus, step into him now through salvation and watch what he'll do as he works with you, with your mind. Somebody's watching you, you perhaps you've, you've damaged your mind through drugs or through alcohol and some other things. Uh, certain things can even destroy brain cells, but God's going to do a miracle in your brain. God's going to do a, a miracle in your mind. If you don't know Jesus right now, pray this prayer. Say, Lord Jesus, you died to save sinners. Save me right now. Jesus, I turn from all sin. I give my life to you. Jesus, write my name in your book of life. Save me now. In your name I pray. Amen and amen. Praise the Lord. You know what? With the Lord working with your mind, I see a dispersion of fog. 
I, I see a dispersion of any type of discouragement because when the Lord works with your mind and you're engaging your mind in the things of God and you're engaging your mind in these areas of learning, knowledge, reasoning, and imagination, you, you have a zest for life. Praise God. So your happiness is going to a new level. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. And for those of you that just prayed that prayer, welcome to the family of God. Welcome into the kingdom of God. Praise the Lord. Oh, hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Now, my friends, let's take Holy Communion together today. I want to ask you to grab some unleavened bread, grab some grape juice. We're going to pray over it, and we'll take communion together. Praise the Lord. So what I like to do is I like to use these little portable cups, and uh, it has the bread, the little wafer on one end, and the juice on the other. I wonder how somebody thought of this. Praise the Lord. Point to your mind. As a matter of fact, I've heard the testimony of the man that created these little cups. He said he was sitting in a, a church service that uh, it had about, if I'm correct, there's about 30,000 people that were in the service and the church was taking communion. And with that many people, it was taking a considerable amount of time. Even with all of the ushers that were serving, it just took a long time. And the man thought, Lord, is there any way that this could be speeded up in a way that honors you? And this idea came into his mind as he thought upon that subject. Praise God. Amen. Praise the Lord. So let's pray over this. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the bread and the juice as we take communion together. We thank you that we are going to receive the flesh and the blood of Jesus. So, Father, we set it apart and consecrate this now. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Let's get ready to receive the bread. And I can't help but think, what kind of ideas is God going to give to you as you really begin to uh, turn up the horsepower? on the intellect, the mental capacity that God has given you. Heavenly Father, thank you for the flesh of the Lord Jesus Christ, and we thank you for solutions to life's challenges. We thank you for genius solutions, and may you be glorified. Thank you, Father. Thank you. We reason with you and delight in this conversation and you helping us to move forward. In Jesus' name, Amen. Let's protect together. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Now look, if the prodigal son can come to his senses and he, uh, with this, uh, you know, he's all hungry, his stomach is empty his clothes are torn, and he's in complete poverty. If he, in that state, can reason, my friends, you can reason to right where you're at. So sit down and say, Lord, what am I to do next? What is the next move? And of course, God's ways, they, they make sense. They're brilliant. And that is the anointing that you have upon your mind. Father, as we receive the blood of Jesus... We thank you that it says in your word that we have the mind of Christ. That's what Paul told the church in Colossae. And so that was a letter written to us also. So we received that and we not only rejoice in that, but we exercise our minds and build them up and keep them active. Thank you, Father God. So Heavenly Father, as we receive the blood of Jesus, we ask that if we have committed any sin, that you would Forgive our sins and cleanse us of all unrighteousness. Thank you, Father, for the blood of Jesus flowing right now. Thank you for complete cleansing and wholeness. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let's receive. Praise the Lord. Glory to God. Now just put your hands on your head just for a moment and say, Lord Jesus, Anoint my mind with fresh oil, fresh anointing to thank your thoughts. Take me higher. Lord, help me to take my marriage higher. Help me to take my career higher. 
Help me to take my calling higher. Show me how. Thank you, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Praise the Lord. You know, even when you speak in other tongues, and then when you have a you have a sense that you need to interpret, when you interpret tongues, it does require your mind. Speaking in tongues does not require your mind. You just start speaking in tongues, okay? Uh, and your mind can take a little break because it is your spirit communicating to God. But when you interpret, you're going to interpret by faith, but now you're going to have to engage your mind because the understanding of what you have been speaking in tongues, the understanding is going to come to your mind. Why? So that your spirit can be built, built up, of course, but so that your mind, as Paul said, can be fruitful. Praise the Lord. May the Lord bless you. May the anointing be brilliant upon your mind. Praise God. Thank you for watching. I'll see you back next time.